Today, we start a five-part series called Be Positive. Funny thing is, we planned this sermon series months ago before we landed in this latest lockdown. Fortunately, one of the things about being positive it is it's not related to the circumstances of your life. Being positive is about being the right way around. I'm sure many of you have changed batteries in a remote control, right? Or, or a toy or a clock or something else. And when you put the battery in, it, it's important to orient the battery in the right way, to get the negative and the positive facing in the right direction. We have a lot of remote controls at our house uh, and they go through a lot. Um, they must be pretty tough. They've been left in drawers. They've fallen down the sides of couches. Numbers of occasions over the years, they've been left in the fridge. And at least once I found a remote control in the bin. They've been sat on, trodden on, kicked. And occasionally during soccer season, I admit they've been thrown. But the reality is, no matter the circumstances of the situation, the remote only works if the batteries are in the right way. This series is all about being positive, about making sure that we have our batteries in the right way in every situation. This week, we're going to talk about being optimistic. And then over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about complaining, encouraging, about our passions and about contentment. So I hope you make it a priority to join us because this is definitely a time where we need to be positive. One of the things about our modern society is the incredible access to information and news. We're in lockdown, which is, which is bad, but it's worse almost in every other country around the world. There are thousands more COVID cases and people are dying in their thousands. There are people struggling to find work, struggling to keep their businesses running, unable to vic visit sick and dying loved ones. And then aside from the pandemic news, there's wars and coups and, or sorry, regime changes. There are earthquakes in the world's poorest country. There are revelations of abuse and genocide and racial inequality and prejudice. On top of all those many stories, we have the stories of the impacts of climate change, melting ice caps, flooding, unprecedented heat waves, bushfires in places around the world that all appear apocalyptic. Wild winds and storms increasing in severity, and these phenomena will only increase. We live in a news-saturated society. How do you sleep at night? Actually, seriously, how well do you sleep at night? How much does all this bad news mess with your sleep? Does it cause you concern? Do you feel unsettled or uneasy about things going on in the world? Do you ever sometimes worry if things will ever get back to normal? You know, there, there are times, I have to admit, when the stress of all this news combined with all my life's own stresses makes me on edge. You know what I mean? More touchy. Uh, Rebecca is here filming me today. And if you could hear her, I'm sure she would tell you stress puts a lot of us on edge shortens my fuse and sometimes makes me say things and do things that I'll regret. Now, I know I'm not alone. I'm, I'm quite comfortable sharing this because I've rung a lot of people for a quick chat over the last couple of weeks, attempting to deliver care packages and things. And a really common theme in all of those conversations has been how stressful and how different this lockdown has been, how it's kind of just pushing people towards that edge. Quite a number of people have told me how much tense and how much anger they're feeling. And it seems to be a little bit over the top. So what I'm doing right now is I'm asking God to help me see the good in the middle of all the bad. I'm trying to see the positive, to see the silver lining, the thread of hope. I'm fighting to keep a perspective of faith and a positive attitude. One of the things I did is I found an article from Time magazine where they interviewed primary age kids um, to get their perspective on the pandemic. 
And I got this, this one from a 12-year-old kid named Carolina who wrote, I keep reminding myself that 2020 will make for great stories to look back on when we're older. I had a socially distanced 11th birthday. I had endless family time. I learned how to make scrambled eggs, pancakes, banana bread, and cake from scratch. Now that's a valuable life skill. But she also said, my mind hasn't fully wrapped itself around all that is now part of my history. 20 years from now, a kid just like me will be learning about what I went through in a history class. I think that's pretty amazing. <laughs> I love that simple optimism. We will be here in 20 years and we will make it and we're going to make all the kids suffer through history lessons about the COVID-19 pandemic. So in this season right now, we need to be wise and social distance and wear masks and sanitize and everything, but also we need to make sure we hold on and be positive to have an attitude of faith, to believe that in all these things, God is always with us and for us. In short, we need to be optimistic. And the problem with optimism and the word optimism is when we talk about being optimistic, people get the wrong idea. People think optimism is some fake, shallow, happy, clappy thing. It isn't true. Let me give you two things that optimism is not. First, optimism is not a denial of reality. It's not putting our heads in the sand and acting like everything's okay, nothing's wrong, just have a positive attitude no matter what, just deny reality. That's stupid. We have very real problems all around the world and it would be foolish to pretend, simply pretend that we don't. Secondly, optimism is not blind faith. It's not just naive, wishful thinking that everything's going to work out if we, can't, if we don't do anything about it. It'd be foolish to pretend that there are no problems and it would be equally foolish to turn a blind eye and pretend that we don't have to do anything about those problems. So optimism is not a denial of reality and it is not blind faith. So what is it? Optimism is confidence about the future or a successful outcome. It is believing that something good is coming. Even though times are tough, even though things are difficult and a lot of work needs to be done, there is going to be a successful and positive future, even if we can't quite imagine what that would look like. In Scripture, we find a solid expression of optimism, don't we? We find an unwavering expectation that our loving God is working in and through us in every situation for our future good. I'm talking, of course, about Romans 8 verse 28, where Paul himself says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It might be the challenges of working from home or your impossible boss. It might be the challenge of online learning or online teaching. It might be the stress of living together under the same roof all the time. Or it may be the pain of relationship breakdown. Paul says, no matter the situation, no matter how desperate, disastrous or dire, no matter how painful or humiliating, it will get better. That's optimism. And the problem with pessimism, the opposite, Pessimism is a state in which you have to consistent and chronic negative attitude. Research says that people like this tend to see negative events as, as more personal and more permanent. Pessimists view the negative events as personal and permanent. Uh, so when we say personal, they say things like, it's, it's my fault. This is happening to me because I'm bad. I'm no good. Nothing ever goes my way. I'm incapable. I'm unworthy of anything good. That's how pessimists might think. But they also think in, in permanent terms. This is always going to be this way. I'm never going to have a good life. We're always going to struggle. Things are bad. They're only going to get worse. The economy's bad. I'll never get that job I wanted. The virus is unstoppable. 
We're going to have to wear a mask for the rest of our lives. Everywhere we go, all the time, the world is never going to be the same again. That's pessimism. So this morning, I want to ask you to take a moment to think about what you think about. What are your thoughts like generally? How do you see your future? When you watch the news, when you find yourself doom scrolling on Facebook or Twitter, are your thoughts at risk of becoming consumed sometimes with a negativity of worry, fear and anxiety that's a little bit too personal and a little bit too permanent? Because the truth is, what you think and feel about the future has a profound impact on how you're going to live in the present. The life you have is experienced through the lens of the thoughts that you think. And the quality of your life will never exceed the quality of your thoughts. So we need to think for a moment about your thinking. Is it optimistic or is it pessimistic? Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart and mind from everything, for everything you do flows from it. So, how do we become more positive and less pessimistic? How do we grow in more optimism? Well, like many of you, I have a lawn in which uh, weeds grow. Or maybe your lawn doesn't grow weeds, I don't know. But in amongst all my beautiful buffalo grass grows windy, uh, bindi and clover. Particularly this time of year, it's starting to go nuts. Particularly um, over the next coming months, it's difficult, right? But I've got this great product called Weed and Feed. It kills what you don't want in the lawn and it feeds what you do. Same thing with thoughts. Feed what you want and kill what you don't. So let's talk about killing what we don't want, killing the weeds. I don't know about you, but a lot of the time over the last five, six weeks, I find myself tuning into the 11am press conference from the New South Wales State Premier and Health Officials. This is where we hear about all the, all the pandemics going on. We get all the stats and stories along with any changes to lockdown rules. A couple of weeks ago, when I began to plan this message, I caught myself and I started to think about my thinking and I started to ask myself, why am I watching this? What does it add? What thoughts does it give me? I could read the updates that I needed in a, in a minute. Why spend 30 or so more minutes watching politicians and officials? All it was actually doing was feeding my pessimism. So I stopped. But it's not just the COVID press conference. I also try to limit my news intake generally. And the challenge has been to limit news intake to less than 30 minutes of each day. And I'll tell you what, it really does help. I don't find myself consumed with news and events, and I'm happier too. But, you know, you're never going to completely shut off news in your life, are you? There is stuff you do need to know, stuff like work stuff and family stuff and personal news. You have to know and respond to all those things. Well, in that case, I need to think about what I'm thinking about. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, Paul suggests that we take every thought captive. That is, observe it, understand it, and gain some control over how it's going to affect your life and how you makes you view life. So when I get unavoidable bad news, I try and I'll be aware of how that thought is making me feel and I don't let it ruin my optimism. Remember, I'm not saying that I stick my head in the sand, but I'm, not making, I'm making sure that I'm not taking it personally and I'm living in its permanence. No matter how bad it gets, I will get through it. So that's how I deal with the weeds. But the next is to feed, to cultivate positivity. The most powerful way to cultivate positivity is to spend time in the Bible. I've been taught about reading the Bible from before I could speak. 
And I know many of you have had the same sort of upbringing, but I want to caution you about some sort of a, a, a kind of complacency. It was, it was taught to me and I was told to do it every day and it was, I was given stickers and awards and all those sorts of things and it became a bit routine and empty. I would speed read my way through the piece of scripture signed off for the day, checked it off my to-do list or whatever. And I have to admit that's a pattern that I still get into when I'm in a busy and a stressful time. And I find myself falling into that pattern sometimes, but it's not what I'm talking about when I say we need to read some scripture. I'm talking about taking a piece of scripture and really getting into it so that it gets into you. It's, it's not about reading it per se, but I mean, you've got to read it, but it's about reading it slowly and thinking about it. Remember, this is about cultivating thinking, removing negative thinking, cultivating positive thinking. So you have to do some thinking. We've got to try and get curious about what we're reading, what makes millennia old writing so important, what stands out to us, what does it mean, what difference does it make, what have people thought about it through history, how has it changed life? And since we've been looking at Romans 8.28, one of the most significant chapters of the Bible for many people, I want to spend a few moments together thinking about some verses in Romans 8. Uh, Romans 8 is set up by Romans 7, possibly unsurprisingly. And Romans 7 is a great chapter because I relate so hard to the way Paul rants about himself. One of my favorite verses in verse 15, he says, Yes, I'm full of myself. (laughs) After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. (laughs) Now that makes me feel more positive, right? A guy who wrote so much of the New Testament, a guy who was celebrated and revered as a church leader, struggles within himself just like I do. And that's the setup. And now Romans 8 comes there and he says, those who enter Christ's being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from the fated lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. That's the first two verses of Romans 8. That undoes the personal aspect of pessimism, doesn't it? And now, because of that fact, because of this freedom he now experiences, he has a different way of thinking about his circumstances, right? And Paul has a lot of circumstances. Um, He's in prison multiple times, five times at least, and he endured 40 lashes a number of times. Three times he's beaten with rods, uh, stoned, uh, you know, not in, not in the, the recreational way. He was shipwrecked. He spent nights at sea. He was betrayed. He was beaten. He was left for dead. And given all that, he still gets to this point in his life where he writes and he weeds out the pessimism. He evaluates all of his life and what's going on. And he says, now, sorry, he's, he's not stupid, right? He, he doesn't suggest that everything doesn't hurt and all those circumstances didn't worry him. He compares it, he compares it to being in labor, We know something brilliant is coming, that out of this something good will come, but it's incredibly painful in the the present. It's exhausting. And so he says, hold on. Push when you need to push, rest when you need to rest, he says. But when you can't go on, when you're out of energy, out of options, out of hope, the Holy Spirit will be there. Here's what he says. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside us, helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. 
He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail of our lives of love for God is worked into something good. That's the message's translation. So I want to ask you this morning, are any of you feeling weak? Any of you feeling discouraged, overwhelmed, exhausted, pessimistic? Paul is here to remind us that no, 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 things won't get back to normal. They will be better than normal. Because he says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. No matter where you go, God is there. No matter what you do, God still loves you. No matter what happens to you, God is still for you. I pray that as you weed and feed, that your unwavering expectation in a loving God is strengthened, that you understand and know that he is working in every situation for your future good. God bless you.